Hey guys, this is Anon Chippy from Anontech.com. This is the official Anontech podcast. We are back with episode 16. Uh, joining us as usual, we have uh, Brian Klug, our senior smartphone editor. Hey everybody. And Dr. Ian Cutris, our senior motherboard editor. Hey guys. So for this episode, we're kind of in a frustrating spot because there's a bunch of really cool stuff that we're all under embargo for for you know at least another week or two. Um, so we have to somehow talk about everything else but that. Um, and then Brian and I are off to MWC, and and that'll likely interrupt our ability to you know kind of catch up with all the cool stuff that's happening. But cool stuff is happening over the next two weeks. Um, so we do have things that we can talk about. Um, I, I reviewed Microsoft Surface Pro, which I, I'm actually curious to get your two takes on it. Like I, I know um, I'm guessing you guys haven't handled one yet, but um, any interest in that type of a device? I think it's cool looking. I don't know. I know everybody loves to hate on it. I feel like more people like this one than Surface RT. Um, and and really? that's just like, yeah, I feel like that's, that's more of a seat of the pants sort of feel, but um, I, I don't see as much end user hate for it. Um, and, and even in the reviews, we, we saw a lot of the mainstream tech press uh, treat it more favorably than they did um, Surface RT. It's because, like you said, it's an ultrabook, not necessarily a a tablet you know like it's an ultra book that's also a tablet yeah um I, it, for me personally I'm, I'm really interested in the idea right like it's it's uh and, and actually something i mentioned in the review was something that brian you pointed out a long time ago when the retina ipad hit uh you were one of the first and only people at the time to tell me hey scrolling around the ui actually feels not smooth and yeah i never and I... really <laughs> I love how everybody's like, oh, it's buttery smooth. But I'm like, what buttery is this? Well, so it's interesting. I never noticed that, right? Like, I, 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 I didn't pick up on it. And I had a, a few other people over the past you know, year or so kind of say the same thing to me. And it never really hit me until I did the Surface Pro review. Um, and there's a video that I, I, I still want to publish here um, where I take Bing Maps in uh, the kind of uh, satellite view play with it on Surface RT and, you know, textures are streaming in. It's clearly sub 30 frames a second. It's an okay experience, but it's, it's not butter. Um, and, and then I go to the iPad 4 and it's better, but it's still not, you know, clearly not, you know, constant frame rate. You know, you're, you're dropping frames every now and then and, and you're still streaming in textures. Then you go in and you play with Surface Pro and it's a completely different experience. Like it's, it's super fast. Everything just appears. Everything's clearly smooth. Um, it, it's, it's hardware put to use here. Um, and, and that's on the tablet side, that's one of the most standout features of surface pro. It's just fast, right? Like, and, and that's something that I noticed when I was playing around with it and trying to install my applications and benchmarks and stuff like that. Like, and I could, I could actually multitask, you know, when I had the, um, the type cover attached, I was copying files over the network. I was installing like PC mark and 3d mark, and I was switching between like IE and doing all this stuff. And it was all really quick. Right. One thing I've noticed on, you know, the more I use uh, the modern smartphones or tablets, I'm kind of used to that. Uh, I don't know. It's like that inherent lag within the platform. Right. Yeah. It's smoothly executed, which is why it's not so bothersome. Right? Well, they hide Whereas, it. They do a good job hiding it. You know, they, the splash screens that when you launch an application, they have a splash screen that comes up really quickly. I think that's the magic of these other platforms. Yeah, and, and it's really that. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's hiding the, you know, what's going on in the background. Um, it's hiding the fact that there is a lot of latency in the platform. And, it, and it's done very well. But then you go and use Surface Pro, and it's all, like, instant. 
right? And and part of that is, you know, this thing has a like a really awesome SSD inside. My review sample had a Micron C400. It's an MSATA drive. Uh, you know, it's better performance than you'd get out of uh, like a three-year-old SSD you had on the desktop. Um, some other users have gotten Samsung PM830-based drives. Like, so it's, you know, an order of magnitude better I.O. performance on here than on what you can get on even the best Android or, or iOS tablets. Um, and then it's got, you know, full-blown Intel Core architecture, 17-watt Ivy Bridge in there. Um, so the overall platform is really cool. It just battery life sucks. Um, it's still really heavy. Um, it's a bit too thick. Like, it's clear this is in need of another OS revision and another um, hardware revision, at least. Uh, my, my fear is that it'll need kind of one and a half or two of those. And, and when that happens, now we're talking like end of next year. Um, and, and by then, the market, I think, is going to start looking a lot different. Um, so, so I don't know. That's my take on Surface Pro is it's very, nice, uh, it's very neat today. Um, if you're in the market for an Ultrabook and you still want more of that tablet experience, you know, you're not going to be typing in weird positions all the time. Um, <laughs> I mean, because that's that's the one thing, right? Uh, like if, it, yeah, it, you my usage model, like I'm always in an airport or uh, like if I'm on a couch or a bed, I'm like I'm not in a comfortable typing position. Well, you know, everybody just always ends up approximating a laptop. That's what I love is when I see people like actually using some of these tablets, they just end up attaching like the keyboard cover to it, anyways. Yeah, you know, well, I just like that the Surface Pro has an active digitizer with a pen. I know, and I know that's like a dirty word, but then again, even with the iPad, like you saw this market for pens pop up, Yes, you know, and <clears throat> I used to use in college, um, what was it, a UMPC and then the other thing, Latitude XT and all this stuff, and I took notes. So I would want a pen, like if I was in that market, not, you know, like I gave the iPad a try with the, you know, stylus, capacitive stylus thing. Yeah. And that is not an ideal experience at all. So say what you want, but I want a pen. So so I'm curious, what what um what issues did you have with the iPad Plus capacitive stylus? The resolution of the writing is just nowhere near good enough. Interesting. And um just a bunch of problems. Like the software support isn't there. Like frankly, OneNote is the best kept secret ever. Yeah. Like the best piece of software Microsoft has ever come out with. Like I literally I would only ever buy Office for that. And then, you know, the fact that you can write with the pen and get, you know, like, the levels of pressure, the active eraser thing, you know, like, buttons on it, as opposed to just, like, this little cheap stick thing. Yeah. You know? So, it's interesting. OneNote is, at least modern OneNote, that's free now, right? Like, you don't you don't even need to buy Office for that. Is it? I, it's been a while since I've looked at it. Yeah, like, it's on, on the Windows app store, whatever the hell you want to call it now. The, the thing... <laughs> The Microsoft version of, you know, what Apple and Google have, um, it's, it's free on there. Um, I downloaded it for the review. I used it. Um, it, it was, uh, I, I don't know. The, store, huh? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It, it worked. Like I felt like I did the pen side of the story a disservice cause I'm not enough of an artist and I would still rather type than write. Um, but, but the pen did work really well. Huh? Well, that's good. Well, I, I like, that's the same kind of gimmick with the. Note too is that, you know, I'm neither an artist nor like I'm gonna scribe things. Yeah. So, like it's well, so, there if you want to <laughs> use it. So when I used the pen on the Note 10.1, I wasn't really pleased with like writing performance on it. Um, I I don't know. I I never really used the the Note 2 all that much. Um, so so I don't know like how laggy that writing was on there. Um, but it, it, the overall overall experience on Surface Pro was pretty good. I, I was pleased with that. Um. 
but yeah, and, and that's kind of my take. There's like this niche of folks who want an Ultrabook and kind of want it to be comfortable to use as a tablet as well. And, and I think it, it serves that niche perfectly. That's a very small niche today. If Microsoft can get the device thinner, get it lighter, improve battery life, um, the latter really comes with Haswell, um, which is what I, I want to get to next. Um, if, they can, if they can do those things, maybe introduce a more flexible kickstand, right? So they, they did make it open up a little bit wider on Surface Pro versus Sur- Surface RT, but it's still not universal enough to really, I don't know, work in all situations, right? I have, again, I'm talking about like my, my stupid usage model here where I'm huddled over a notebook, you know, in a plane or in some uncomfortable seat somewhere. And it, it just, it doesn't work as well as like a, a full rigid notebook where you can like kind of infinitely adjust the, the screen angle. Um, so, so those things I think need work. But if you can do that, I, I think they're I think they're on to something. Um, I, I don't think you know device version one is perfect, um, but but I do see potential here. So um, what about the discussion it, about storage that everybody always <laughs> has? Yeah, oh, I don't want to yeah. interrupt Ian. You've been silent the whole time. <laughs> well, go on. Talk about storage. So no, I just think the storage thing is kind of daft, don't you? I don't I know. Agree. I just think it's a sideshow. Yes, I agree. I, I think. Um, uh, like this is how we've sold computers for a really, really long time. Um, yes, iOS and Android are very lightweight modern platforms. They don't use a lot of space. Uh, and, and most of that space, you know, is for storage of things like your MP3s, your, your uh, photos, your videos, what have you. Surface Pro is a different type of beast. Um, and even Surface RT, it's, it's still, it's more approximating a notebook than it is a tablet. And... I don't know. We've always dealt with storage this way, right? You don't get, if you buy a hundred gig device, you don't get a hundred gigs of free space on it. There's, you know, stuff reserved for windows and for everything else. Um, now in this case, you get sub 30 gigs free on the 64 gig model, which is okay. But for a computer, that's not what I'd want. Um, so, and, and given the price of these things, like the 64 gig model is 900 bucks and the 120 gig model is a thousand bucks. The price differential is small enough where you should just go for the 128 gig model. Um, it's an MSATA drive in there. If you can get the device open, you can swap it out and throw a 240 gig, you know, Intel 525 or whatever in there. But it's, you know, iFixit did a teardown and it is a pain to get this thing open. Um, there's a ton of adhesive that you have to melt and cut away. And I, I just, I wouldn't want to do that to my thousand dollar computer. Um, and they give so, it a one, like I, like the, they give their little <laughs> scores. But the, yeah. that got the one. I was I was almost expecting a zero. What is a zero? Like it's yeah. acrylic. It's impossible to take apart. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's clearly an ordeal to take it apart. I, I even thought about it. Like I wanted to take the review sample apart and swap in a five twenty five just to see what the experience would be like. But it's. It, it looks like a very damaging process. Um, I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's it's not something I again I would I would risk. Um, the hundred twenty gig model. I think that's. That's a good balance of, of storage space. Um, I don't get the discussion over, you know, hey, it's advertised as a 128. You should have 128 gigs of free space. I, it's just that's unreasonable and unrealistic, in my opinion. Um, but that wraps up discussion of Service Pro. Ian, did you want to add, add anything? Yeah. Um, so you'll say that the experience is smooth, um, but the battery life um, sucks. So how low do you think they could go on the speed um you know reducing it down reducing the power usage before well, before it becomes reasonable on the uh, battery life 
so and still he, be smooth. Here's the thing. It's not actually um, active power. In my opinion, I don't think it's active power that's killing the device, right? If you, I mean, if you take a, an iPad 4 and run a high-end game on it forever, you're going to get really bad battery life. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm not as concerned about the notebook battery life. The issue is if you're using it like you would a tablet for like light browsing the web, email, so on and so forth, uh, total platform power isn't low enough to really give you that kind of, you know, I, I, for tablets, I feel like 10 hours is that target, um, that, that everyone tries to hit and, and you can't really get there. Um, one of our readers actually did a test, uh, uh, Jeff. Kabul, uh, or I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, but but uh, he did a test on his personal unit where he looked at what's idle battery life, um, you know what's what's the absolute best you can get out of it. So he like turned down brightness, ran the CPU at 800 megahertz, and just did nothing with it, and he got a little over eight hours, and that kind of tells you just yeah. how bad platform power is. I mean, it's got the same battery as the iPad, right? So in theory. Uh, roughly the same battery size as the iPad. So in theory, you should be able to get, you know, given a similar workload, should be able to get similar battery battery life, right? Um, if, if anything, you should be better because... Uh, well, you're, the, you're, you're driving a more complex display on the iPad 4, aren't you? You are, but, but at the same time, you know, uh, you should be able to race to sleep a lot better on, on the core CPU. So yeah. I, I don't necessarily know that they have to go down in, in you know, clock speeds. Right. It's, 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 it's um, that, that power analysis that you did, it's be interesting just to see, you know, total watts consumption over time when you do a workload, because then the race to sleep, if, you know, the power um, efficiency. No, no, I agree. Um, hey, it's, it's, that's one of those things where I got to crack the device open to kind of gain access to anything <laughs> of use. Um, but but it's, it's, I think Microsoft can do a lot simply by moving to like a you know let's say 10ish watt haswell which won't give up much on the um on on base clock side but you'll and and I'm talking haswell ulx which we'll get to in a second so you get all the platform power benefits uh, you don't really have to sacrifice peak performance all that much and and I think they could get to a uh, a much more reasonable um total platform power total battery life sort of um, and and point. when it's plugged in you could TTP up yeah, absolutely. Right. Like if you, you know, if you want to run Visual Studio on it or, you know, 3DS Max or whatever, right, like you can and it'll have all the great performance that you want. But if you just want to, you know, watch Netflix, it's not going to die right away. Watch films when you're traveling flights. That's always how I imagine how, you know, uh, battery life and usage. And it's, it's not normal around the house because normal around the house, I'm going to have it plugged in. Yes. But it's, it's when I'm traveling and when I fly. You know, if I end up on a plane without a power socket, yep. how long is that going to last? Or like the basic web browsing, right? Basic web browsing, basic email. Like I'm not talking about, you know, you're, you've got 50 tabs open and you're just like aggressively browsing through all of them. You know, the same kind of stuff you do on your iPad or your Android tablet, right? I think that's fair game. And I think... Uh, I, I would need a tablet to tell you that. The <laughs> <laughs> so normal PC, what is it? It has about 15 tabs open now while I'm doing the podcast, so... Yeah, uh, I don't uh, find uh, that I, think... I don't find that I browse the web on a mobile device with that many tabs open though. So that's that actually that's something that I was about to ask. And they all get expunged um, anyways. If you, know. you if you had a an interface, right? If you had a like a you know the the uh, the type or touch versions of the keyboard that come with um, Surface or Surface Pro, do you think that would change? Like I feel like the the 
screen size, user interface, and the responsiveness in the platform, you know, both Android and iOS isn't, they're, they're not good enough for me to want to, you know, open 15 or 16 tabs. Oh, you definitely can, just period. Yeah. So the question but is, if you had that ability, would you do it? Prop, well, well, what, what do you mean? Like, if I had a notebook that was, like, if I was approximating a notebook with the Nexus 10, maybe? But yeah. I think that's a that's a that's a bad habit. But you already can with Chrome do the tab sync right. where it opens yes. your like million tabs everywhere. Yes, and it's, you can with you can with uh, iPhone too, right? Like you can. Yeah, but I don't clock. use that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 whenever I have an Android device in my hand, I'm always self conscious of what I'm using, which means that I don't open many tabs or I close ones that I definitely am not using. Whereas I'm quite happy to open as many as I want on a Windows device because that's what I'm used to and the ones that I'm used to always have plenty of memory and can deal with it. Well, so on the mobile side, uh, like Brian mentioned, things that you're not using get expunged, right? So it's it, just having them open isn't really a burden. The The only burden is the process of opening and loading all of those pages, right? Like if you're, uh, I find that on, you know, a smartphone, my usual usage model is I'll go to one page and then go to another one. Right. Whereas uh, on like a desktop or high end notebook, I'll, you know, open a whole bunch of pages in the background and like I'm quickly opening and closing things, just consuming content at a much faster rate. Yeah. Ocean and on, browsing Wikipedia, just uh, opening a new tab and all the links that you want to look at. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 the process of loading and rendering uh, all of those pages that that incurs the, the performance and CPU penalty on a mobile device because um, they do do a good job of like. Uh, you know, pausing processes and, and unloading stuff when, when necessary. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is that you can't even, there's really no utility in doing it because if you try to do that in Chrome, even the Chrome beta, and I don't use the stock browser anymore, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, if you try to do that anyways, you're going to hit the memory limit and just, just like you're going to end up loading the other older tabs again when you revisit them. Yes. Which is even more annoying because then you're just burning that mobile data again. And they, yeah, have, they, they have a limit you can go and see if you turn the FP, FPS counter on and it will say, like, is the page over a memory budget for the device, you know, or not. <clears throat> and more and more often, even on the two gig devices, I'm at the limit with just like a couple tabs. Oh, that's interesting. I actually hadn't thought of the, um, like, the re-pulling down that mobile data as like a part of the usage model, right? Like I'm looking at it purely as what's going to burn more battery, but that's that's totally true. Like anytime you're you're fetching things that you've you know unfairly evicted from memory, um, that's that's yeah. just more. That's stuff the that's... iOS problem too. That's the overrepresentation. This is that whole discussion again that nobody ever has, except for unless you talk to people who are really in the know about this sort of mobile browsing platform. Um, that iOS aggressively expunges pages and then will reload all the assets again. You know, like mobile Safari will, you'll have the tabs open, but they're not really open. Like they've been closed. Yes. It just remembers the URL. And that behavior has so, kind of changed over time. But then you load the page again when you revisit it. So then I've, I've loaded it twice. Is it really fair so, to so, say so, that? So, so, so it does, it does another complete call to the server for all the data. Correct. So if you're, if you're, dealing with APIs and back-end data, it's going to refresh it all when you open the tab. Correct. Which is why you see this, again, this huge over-representation of iOS devices when you look at browser web market share, which I always laugh about. Like, again, the Tim Cook slide that went up, 
yeah. just turned to you and I was like, that's just hilarious. Because again, <laughs> we're just going to gloss over all these details and then present something where it's like 90%, 90% of devices are iOS, even though the market share is like 80-20 or like 70-30, depending on who you believe, yeah. you know? I just no, I, no, I remember I that you turned it. to me and you're like, I'm always, I always wish I knew how they determine this data, right? Because it's it's not an easy thing to determine, right? It's not like there's a uh, a giant repo where everyone, you know, just kind of submits, hey, look, this is this is what I'm using to browse each page on the web, and I'm voluntarily submitting all of my search and browsing history to you know this this big center that that does all the statistics for you. And everybody lies about their user agent. This is a long rant that I have. <laughs> <laughs> um ian you were gonna say something um uh, just, just just in general on the storage so i my netbook has a 60 gig drive in it and i frequently have to go back every couple of months you know and expunge data because i'm running out and the fact that they've you know they've offered a 64 gig version of this thing for 900 is that just so they say we can hit a 900 point was there any point in releasing a 64 gig version is it just for tablet users who you know want a step up to a notebook but without going the full way yeah i mean so <clears throat> i think for a lot of people you know that that 30 gig buffer <clears throat> maybe that's enough right maybe they don't need more than that um i do think there's a big component of it that is you know it's nicer to be able to say that we're at 899 right that our starting price is there versus our starting price is you know 999 um yeah. and and the unfortunate thing is like we're on the verge of uh this transition to 20 nanometer, um, 19 and 20 nanometer NAND. Um, and especially once we get there with like 128 gigabit die, uh, you kind of double everything and, and everyone will eventually get uh, like 128 for the price of 64, 256 for the price of 128. Like, like, like the Nexus 7 all shifted down. Yeah. So, so you'll, you will get, you know, that this problem does resolve itself. It's just uh, kind of like with the rest of Surface Pro, it's launching at an unfortunate time, like it's launching right before Haswell, it's launching right before, you know, everyone sees a, a kind of a step function improvement in, in price per gigabyte. Um, well, it, it means all the, they, they can get the money from the early adopters and then perhaps again when Haswell comes out. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's, you know, that's probably a bit more nefarious than the actual plan was. Like, I think <laughs> Microsoft probably understands that they need to at least, they need to start showing up to the fight. Right. Like that's that's Eric Demers when he was back at AMD and ATI. That was like the one thing that he told me that resonated very, very well, which is the best way to lose a fight is just not show up. And it, it's funny in it to win it. Yeah. And, and you know, yes, Surface RT hit and it wasn't an iPad and it wasn't an Nexus 10. But had Microsoft not showed up, yeah, then they'd, they'd absolutely not be competitive. Right. Like and, and people are talking about, hey, you know, maybe they only sold like 900,000 Surface RT devices that's a crap ton of surface rt devices right like if that's what they've sold that's amazing um if, if you supplied one ic to that device you sold nine hundred thousand ics no it's i yeah I, I i think that's a uh this is definitely like a long-haul game microsoft was 100 percent behind um and and you know none of these devices it is impossible without outspending by like an order of magnitude both apple and google for you to have like a first-gen device in a maturing platform, right? Not in a period of transition to have a first gen device that just puts everything else to shame. Like that's just, that's unrealistically um, high expectations for anyone. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I, I thought both of these were decent. Um, they put them out cause they, they needed to get stuff on the market. Uh, but the buying recommendation is look, if you don't need to have one of these things today, wait, 
right? The Haswell version will likely be a lot better. Uh, that'll likely be at the end of this year. Uh, and, and, you know, you really want to start getting into really interesting stuff on the battery life side. The Broadwell version after that's probably going to be really awesome. Um, so, so this brings us to kind of something else I wanted to talk about here, which is we've been talking about Haswell for a really, really long time. And we've been talking about it in, in the kind of under the guise of uh, this is the platform you're going to want in mobile. And I think it's about time, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, Haswell Desktop and High-End Notebook launch, you know, early June, June 2nd-ish, and, and then Ultrabooks a month or so later, and then sometime in Q3 for the tablet launch. I think it's time to start setting expectations for what Haswell's actually going to be. Um, so on the desktop, I, I think it's pretty clear you're looking at 10-ish percent, maybe 15-ish percent performance improvement over Ivy Bridge at the same clock speed. Um, but we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but by bringing the voltage regulators onto the chip itself, uh, they're kind of going to add more TDP to the, the total chip and, and any TDP that they would have spent on increasing frequencies now goes into, you know, the, the voltage regs. So as a result, frequencies are pretty much going to stay static between Haswell and Ivy Bridge. There's, there's also no real, you know, pressure from AMD on the front to, to push for that you know, last X percent. So on the desktop, you're looking at single digit to maybe best case scenario, 10, 15% performance gains over Ivy Bridge. Uh, you might see some better power efficiency, but overall, like that's, that's that. On the graphic side, if you get a GT3 part, um, you know, they're, they're kind of high end without the embedded DRAM. If you get one of those parts, you'll, you'll see better performance in integrated graphics, but I don't see a lot of desktop users really going that route um ian does that sum it up for you or anything else you'd like to add on the desktop side um well it's it's the, the, this integrated voltage regulator i want i just wonder how much tdp it's going to add because it's it's normally not a heat synced chip on the board anyway so i've so, heard that it, it adds something like in the 10 ish watt range of i i've 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 heard a lot less than that interesting well that a would make less. sense um so but um, I have I I have heard good things as well, which you can't talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you think um, that sums it up on the on the desktop side, right? So the 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 fact is the the AMD the position of AMD now means that with the with 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 the uh, GT three and the GT three with the embedded, um, the IGP has to outperform the Trinity. Um, in order to sort of win that space, however big it is, yeah, I mean they're they're already going to win it on in terms of um, you know single thread performance by a long margin, but it's whether that can stack up to the with the GT three to GT three with the with the Trinity. But see, the thing about that is Trinity is probably going to be priced a lot more. Like Intel views yeah, the high end graphics as like a value add, right? And and they're talking like a not insignificant adder for the embedded graphics as well. Um, so so I don't I don't necessarily see that well, it's, going head to head with Trinity. Well, it's uh, when so you you're right. AMD are going to be always the price uh, the price competitor. You know they've just told they've they've changed their allocate their chip allocation for for the year and it's cost them a bundle but they've still saved money but don't forget the the core i3 3225 the 65 watt hd 4000 part that's yes. dual core there, there's got to be something like that well with so the, GT, with gt3 so that's the question i don't even know if the embedded dram stuff is happening on the desktop right i know that's a mobile play for sure um it'd be kind of neat to see on the desktop 
Um, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see there. Um, for the the high end notebook side, I, the story is actually going to be fairly similar to what we see on desktop. So you're talking 10ish percent improvement in performance. Uh, worst case scenario, active power could actually even be a little worse um, than Ivy Bridge because same process. Uh, you know, there's some more functional units. You can technically get more performance out of here, which which will burn more power. Uh, there are at the same time though, there are some idle power improvements that'll impact, you know, your kind of quad core notebook, uh, parts. So, so we might see some improvement in efficiency there, but this isn't going to dramatically change, uh, you know, your, your kind of high-end workstation notebook or your MacBook pro, you know, that, that level, I I don't think you're going to get a huge, a, a dramatic difference in, in much there. It's, it's, it's all about the load power usage. It's going to be, we assume it's going to be roughly the same. Yeah. So where this is going to make a big difference is, you know, in the Ultrabooks, in the convertibles, and in anything that's using uh, Haswell ULX, right? So anything that's using the Haswell part with the, uh, you know, optimized uh, platform power stuff going on with um, all the uh, connected standby power states, the S0IX stuff, in you know the kind of surface pro or the surface 2 pro of the future that's using haswell ulx hopefully uh that's where you'll see dramatic impact of battery life it's 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 just the next step in how quickly can we get the work done how efficiently can we get it done and how quickly can we get back to sleep yes and and how quickly can you wake up right so yeah you know i think for the vast majority of what i would say like the traditional computing market haswell is not going to be all that impressive um for a lot of the ultra small form factor notebooks it will probably be decently impressive just because of the the improvement you'll get in graphics performance right like if the oem chooses to integrate gt3 or gt3e right the part with embedded dram uh the the sort of performance you'll get compared to ivy bridge should be substantial um you know intel at, at, at ces was talking uh targeting gt 650m level of performance from the gt3e part uh which you know that, that today that ships in kind of the more higher end um, uh, PC notebooks, not like the super high end gaming notebooks, but that's that's not a that's not a slow part at all. So to yes. be able to get that in in like an ultrabook or a, an ultra small form factor um, notebook, I think is pretty cool. It's, it's the 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 six fifty m's sort of considered if if you don't want the four thousand the HD four thousand and you want it you want a GPU in a notebook. If you first look at the GT six three five, which is sort of better. Yes. If you definitely want something that's going to be better across the board, you look at the six fifty. Yes. Um, and you can obviously still go even higher than that, but it's a yeah. It's not a bad part. So if 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 that's the level of performance that Intel is able to deliver, and you can start getting that in stuff like a MacBook Air or an Ultrabook, I, I think that's that's one of the the big selling points of Haswell right there. Um, but the really cool power stuff that really, unless you're shopping in in the tablet space, that that won't apply. Um, switching gears a bit, talking about something else that happened um, with Intel is uh, earlier on in the week, Intel kind of made public what a lot of people have been speculating on, which is that Intel is going to get into the IPTV market. Um, Brian, I know you and I have been talking about this quite a bit. <laughs> um, I'm and not it's... sure I have a lot to say that's um, totally I, positive I... or like, I just don't understand why we need this. Well, I think uh-huh. a lot of people have that same response, right? Well, so you don't you don't see a need for someone to come in and revolutionize the way TV works. I uh, no, I do, but I just don't un- understand why it has to be Intel. Nor do I understand, um, again, what their 
what they're going to bring that's different that's going to make everybody want to sign with them. And I, gotcha. I think in the comments you saw that too, is that what do, you, what do they bring to the table that's uniquely different that makes this possible? And that's still an unclear thing to me, like even with the, just our off-the-record conversations that contain other various things like i'm just i'm still not sold right no no and and i think so that's good like if if you had said you know i don't understand why we need this anyone to do this period that's that's one thing but and and i think a lot of people share that sentiment right we need something like this i don't understand why intel's the one doing it Um, yeah when they have other bigger problems that's what i what i see is i'm just like well you have other bigger you have other bigger issues like if you want to remain sort of this flagship you know if you want to remain in the status you are, yes. that, that to me seem more immediate than like, let's just go off and play with TVs, you know, like because <laughs> Apple might have a TV. That's what it kind of seems like. Well, like, what was the catalyst? So I think, and, and this is just me speaking, you know, from, from what, you know, me being in Paul Adelini's shoes, what, what would I see as a motivation for this? Um, one, Intel's a very profitable company. Um, they continue to invest on like the foundry side. They're investing on the technology side. They're very late on the phone and tablet sides. They're trying to play catch up there. All of that continues, right? This doesn't detract from any of that. But you're still a very profitable company. You can still, you know, you can still move industries if you wanted to, if you put your money to good use. And it would be really nice if you could get revenue from something that wasn't tied to all of this other stuff, right? If you could build something that maybe, again, if I'm in Paul O's shoes, uh, build something that would drum up enough excitement to actually move stock price for a change, right? Which doesn't usually happen with Intel. You know, Intel can come out with whatever, like the coolest architecture in the world, and the stock doesn't do anything. Um, and I'm not saying that that should be the fundamental motivation to do anything, but it's, it's a side it's benefit there. of if you, can, if you can do this. Yeah. Now, you bring up a good point, though. None of this makes sense at all if it detracts from the main goal, right? And, and every, all the research I've done points to, and even if you look at the guy heading it, this is, a lot of these folks are, are not core Intel people, right? Um, the mandate isn't, okay, hey, you guys just finished building Haswell. Go over here and do this TV thing. Um, the way I understand it works is a really big check was written, and Eric gets to go out and kind of build his own team and, and do whatever. It, it's, it's similar in, to the story behind um, uh, Mike Bell and, and the new Intel Mobile and Comms group, where he was allowed to go out, bring his own folks in, kind of do things the way he wanted to do them. Um, now, the difference being that... No, I understand, I understand the story. I just don't understand what are they gonna, what's magically going to make all of these content providers want to supply their content. Yeah, so that's, and, that's the other big side of it, right? What, what will make... What will make the content providers treat Intel differently than they treated Google? Than exactly they these Apple other players that are bigger, that are already entertainment behemoths, that already have a business, that already have a, a platform, that already have all the other parts of this vertically integrated, you know, business case that is delivering. Like I have media. Yes. Well, this, the, 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 that's the issue with 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 what you posted. So many people are wanting so many different scenarios. That's why there's so many different ways of getting content into the home so here's what i'd float right i can't um uh there's like a a subset of things that can't be discussed but but there's you can theorize the following if you're in this if you're in the position of a content provider you know at some point you, you know there's x number of million people who just steal your stuff today right? Or they don't steal it, or they, they get it from Netflix, they get it from wherever. They already get it through a, a route that isn't directly through the cable company. 
And that number is growing, right? So you realize that this, at some point, you know, you have to deal with this. This has to get modernized, whatever. Um, but that in itself doesn't make, hey, let's go, let's go work with Intel. This is clearly the company to work with. That being said, if, if that's the only problem, right? Like if, if you accept the fact that the content providers have to address this, right? Because otherwise they end up losing the market entirely to piracy or entirely to cord cutters. Um, if you accept that premise, then at some point you're, you're willing to work with and willing to listen to a company that comes along and says the right things. Now, the question is, is Eric and his team, are they saying the right things? Are they doing the right things? Are they making it uh, kind of amenable for you know, these content providers to be taken care of without screwing the end user? And I don't know, that's the whole benefit of the doubt of all this, right? And, and that's why uh, you know, I have limited experience with Eric, um, the, you know, the guy heading this thing. Um, I don't know many of the people that work underneath him. Um, all I know is they're well-supported. Uh, and, and... You say they've been written a big check, but his success is going to be dependent on you know, whether, this thing, whether it was going to turn a profit. And there's a lot of obstacles before you even consider profit. Surely. Yeah, no, no. I, like, I, and that's why I wrote in the article, you know, unlike the, what they're doing in the phone and the tablet space, this is a long-term play that's going to sink or swim very soon, right? Like, it's going to be immediately apparent, um, I, I think, whenever this thing launches, if they got it, if they've got the right idea, or if they don't. Um, I think you can easily point to uh, kind of why Hulu failed. I've heard interesting stories as to why Google TV didn't pan out. Um, and so, so that kind of stuff makes sense to me. Um, now, the, the real question is, you know, what mistakes will Intel make? And, and I don't think we'll see those until we get that kind of initial channel lineup. Um, but I uh, think... Uh, uh, so, sorry, go on. So I think, um, well, I know it's incorrect to assume that they don't have folks signed up, right? Intel isn't announcing who they've signed up, but I, I, I do believe it's incorrect to assume that no one has signed up. Um, I'd also believe it's it's um, a very valid thing to assume that they don't have everyone signed up. And the question is, can they have enough of the folks that matter, right? And can they deliver things like a dedicated sports you know, offering, a dedicated uh, things that aren't tied into, or, or Brian, as you and I were talking, things that aren't subsidized by the rest of uh, the kind of user base um, for, for yeah. users that, that really just want those targeted bundles. Um, I... I you know, I think it's worth a try. I, I don't I don't know. I don't view this as, look, this is definitely going to be a success. But from everything I've heard both privately and, and you know, what they've said publicly, they're at least giving it an honest effort. Um, and, and by the end of this year, I think it's going to be very, very apparent whether or not uh, they'll succeed. But, but I think the thing is that everyone really is working on this problem, right? Like, so, you know, Apple's been, Apple's been kind of rumored to be doing something like this for a while. Uh, Sony's been rumored to be doing something like this for a while. Uh, at some point, their solution has to happen. Um, and, and if it's Intel, then it's great for them. You know, they, they get uh, the first mover's advantage. Um, but I feel like in, in short form here, someone is going to have to start cracking this but problem. But they don't get the first mover's advantage because everybody's tried and failed. Like, this is this, is this black hole that everybody's thrown everything at for, like, what, two years now? Maybe three? Even more if you look at Microsoft. But don't you think that isn't that a lot like the, I guess, the uh, smartphone platforms that happened 
before uh, the iPhone and Android? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Personally, I just like I think TV is kind of like that way of consuming things is done with. Like if it's if this is like Netflix, but with more shows, right? And with TV content that's more local and it's not like all this old stuff or movies, that's one thing, right? If it's sort so, of if it's something different, that's another thing entirely. And I still don't understand how they're gonna get around the caps because again, 250 gigabytes divided by five megabits is like five days. Like like I showed you. And you know, what do you do? Like how do you get around that? I don't know. These, so, I mean it's not my problem, but that's <laughs> that's a huge problem, right? No, no, and, no, I, I totally agree. And so, saying so, we just we're just gonna use magical codecs, I don't know what that means. No, and no. I don't think the codec solution solves it, right? Like I think um to answer your first question, yeah, I think it's it's uh it's supposed to be not just like a netflix clone right like this is supposed to be a replacement for what you would get from your cable tv company um it's just it goes over ip and it's stored on intel servers and you know that that whole deal so it's it's you're supposed to get newer content more content live content if you want it um all of that stuff and and they're supposed to integrate it with like video on demand services to fill in like the older gaps right or fill in the movie gaps so all of that happens um and, and again, there's no there's no sense in assuming that they can't do that, right? Because then the, there's no point in even discussing the platform, right? The the assumption is, hey, if sure. you're going to do this, you know, you should at least be able to do the bare minimum, right? You should be able to at least do a compelling service. Otherwise, why don't even bother, right? Like it definitely doesn't make any sense. The cap side, you know, even if they use H.265, that's right. that is a valid complaint, right? And and I think one argument would be, hey, this would uh, um, this is one of the ways like the, you know, people talked about the folks controlling the pipes being upset about this. This is one way where you could make the argument that, well, no, you shouldn't be upset about this because this, this drives sales of, you know, more demand and, and more use of, of your internet services. Um, but th- that's kind of a long-term vision, right? Like I think in the short term, if you're in an area where there's a, you know, there are aggressively uh, uh, policed caps in place, yeah, I, I don't see that not being an issue. Um, and I don't know a way around that. Like that's a, and it's not something they're going to go and raise because you're defeating their, your, this is a direct, um, attack on their existing business model. So yeah, like, no, I, don't, I don't buy that, that argument at all that people using it is going to fix the cap problem because people are already at the caps and it's not, it's not changed. Right. And this is just going to even more exacerbate that. And the, the cable companies are not, it's not their, they're, they have no prerogative to increase the caps. You know, yeah, if people uh, yeah, are bumping I, into them, you just bump into them. Well, too bad. Maybe you shouldn't be using this IPTV thing. Like, here's our cable <laughs> packages, right? They're not going to magically turn around. Like, anybody that's saying that is, like, just, they're hilarious. Yeah. No, that's true. Well, so, the the other argument, the counter-argument to that point, though, is that um, profit margin on their cable package versus profit margin on selling you additional bandwidth uh like those are like sure. uh, just a world of difference right they're <laughs> yeah, I mean, more motivated <laughs> yeah. to sell you additional bandwidth well intel can go and argue that i would love to have them argue that but i mean that's certainly not something consumers are going to be able to to argue you know i'm not, no, not no. i mean like this is a broader problem that everything is very oversubscribed you know so i think i think it would be interesting to see whether everybody could do this you know like already uh netflix was a problem for the longest time until they started until they started using good cdns yes i mean you remember that whole deal so it's just going to even further exacerbate that issue no i think it's i think it's a totally valid issue and and this is an issue that i don't know 
I don't know Intel's set up to solve this issue, right? Like, you know, Google, at least, like, they're doing the whole Google Fiber thing, and, and you know, I can see Intel wanting to piggyback off that and, and you know, try and offer something there, but I, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely not... that that's, that's even further away from, you know, a strength of theirs. Um, so it's, I don't know. It, it's, it, well, it's all going to be released in North America first, so nobody in Europe's going to see it for a long time. And, and that was actually another interesting set of comments that we saw in that thread right which is folks saying hey this sounds interesting but i want it in australia and yeah uh so 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 i i posted comments on the thread i'm not sure if if, if you saw them but yeah, um yeah. in the uk we have something slightly different so we have what are known as five terrestrial tv channels two from the bbc which this uh when we when we have a device that's capable of receiving live content we have to pay a tv license £140, so that's about $200 a year. If we have any device that consumes live TV content, and that covers the whole property, or the whole part of the property contract that you're in if you're in a multi-person house. Um, on top of that, you can pay a one-off fee of about £30, so about 50 US, for a little box that plugs into your TV and plugs into your aerial, and that gets you what's called Freeview, which is another 30 channels, which are about Five or six of them BBC, the rest of them are, you know, companies that pay their way through advertising. Um, for about £100, you can get what's known as Freeview HD, so you get a couple of HD channels, and Freeview Plus, which is sort of like a DVR type arrangement um, that you can record from the Freeview channels. Um, if you want anything in above that, you have the cable providers, so you have uh, the main ones are Virgin Media, Sky, and whatever BT do. Um, so they're, they're, they're your sort of $50 a month packages, and you you know, you know buy your sports channels or you buy your t- kids' channels. And um, my, my, my media consumption, as I've got older, has changed a lot. So I, I, I used to watch a lot of TV because that's what I did in my downtime, you know, after schools and stuff, and as a student, that's what you do. Um, now the fact that the internet has changed and you know you can stream stuff there's online on demand services so anything that's been shown on BBC in the past week I can access through BBC iPlayer in the UK so I don't need to see it live I can see it the next day and that's for all you know BBC created content so you can't watch the Simpsons on it when they show the Simpsons that sort of thing and the the only thing I ever want to watch, which I can't get on my free view, is 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 sport is Formula One because there's a weird arrangement where a cable, one of the UK cable companies, Sky, has the license for all the races throughout the year, and the BBC only has the license to cover half of them in its entirety, but usually the ones during waking hours, rather than you know the international races. Over, over the other side of the world and you know i'm not willing to spend 30 pounds a month just to consume that i can i can just you know read about the news and the highlights afterwards so if if something like you know the the intel iptv was to come over here it would have to be silly cheap Mm. At least for me, in my in my content. Well, it has to be silly cheap for I think everybody yeah. everybody else too yes. because I but, haven't traditional I haven't consumed content like just just zone out in front of the TV and you know like I, I hate to use the word mentally masturbate 
but that's what it is <laughs> when you just zone out in front of the tv i haven't done that for you, six you, years like it just doesn't that, happen that, that, that's because you've got smartphones to review right well i guess you i'm staring be doing at that. twitter and just refreshing that and <laughs> or, or your thirty-five thousand tweets yeah, yeah and, that's and i think that's i i don't know i think that's the um that's a lot of folks right i think a lot of folks are you know they're increasingly getting content entertainment off of a phone or right. a tablet so 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 the contrary to this is is my mother she's not te- technologically advanced i bought her a tablet for her birthday because she, she's gone from the desktop to the laptop to the tablet that's just how she consumes the internet but everything she watches is on tv it's on freeview it's it's never an on-demand service. It's always whatever's on the TV. If she misses a program, she misses it. She'll catch the next one next week. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's like over the air here. We have over the air. I mean, I still don't watch it. Yeah. It, so it's, 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 it, is, is that locally produced content or is that just... Um, yeah, there's know, some local stuff. I think it's much better where, where you are. I mean, obviously you get more channels. And BBC so, content so, so, is way better. Yeah, so, um, so, so a, 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 any sort of... We don't really have local channels. We any channel that you can get, you can get anywhere in the UK. Right. Well, I mean, what, so, so, it's it's so spread out here. There are there are local channels, but there are also syndicated content that are that is national. They, so 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 they, they, there's a TV show that I actually watch, which is only available in Austin, Texas, but they stream it live as well. <laughs> What's the so, show? <laughs> it's 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 cool. It's yeah. It's 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 called the Atheist Experience, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so interesting. It, it's interesting that you brought up the iPlayer thing because that was um, Eric Huggers, the head of Intel Media. That was his gig right before um, before Intel. They brought him in to hmm. run Intel's like digital media stuff, um, that digital media group where they used to make like SOCs for TVs and the Google TV and Boxybox and stuff like that. Um, the CE forty two hundred or whatever. Yeah, they brought him to, in to like deal with that group, and uh, basically he reformed the group, got a bunch of budget from uh, from Paul, and and built Intel Media. Um, and and he went in and he's like, I'm not a chip guy. Like I don't know any of this shit. Like I just I just don't. But I I know how to deliver like a good experience, and that's. Uh, uh, the iPlayer experience was, you know, kind of that, right? Like that's that's. What... I've, I've I've got a couple of friends who work for them on the back end of iPlayer, and sometimes it sounds like he's pulling his hair out. But <laughs> I mean, it's a tough problem, right? Like it's it's how do you get, you know, the the the, the, the issue they had is um, in in the mobile uh, sector when um, Flash was being you know dropped. Yes, because they had to rewrite everything. Yep. To counter with that and i don't i still i, I don't think it's 100 percent yet but it's getting it's getting there no it's it's a fairly well used platform um the the question is you know kind of given intel's resources and and you know kind of all the constraints we talked about on the delivery side as well as on the content provider side you know is 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 that experience going to be enough to to make this happen but i don't know i guess we'll we'll it, they said it's launching this year so we'll uh we'll find out in short form here um switching gears a bit uh brian you got a new toy um tell us about pebble yeah yeah so i got the pebble watch finally i mean i i guess i didn't even really realize that i was one of the first backers or whatever like this isn't a review unit this is just what i bought and um it came i think it was like was it a week or two ago i can't even yeah, remember like anymore that. it was like la- la- friday before last i guess 
so <clears throat> I don't know. I've been playing with it ever since, and it's pretty it's pretty decent. You know, it's a uh, it's the Pebble Watch. I don't know if you're in, for the for readers who aren't familiar. This is the Kickstarter smartwatch that um, was pretty much it just blew up on Kickstarter one day. And so 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 what does it do more than a normal watch? I've, I've so, not followed it so. Okay, so basically, it connects over Bluetooth to a mobile device, and then you can get notifications on it. And also, you can do things like change your watch face or run applications on it. Um, and in terms of notifications, you can do things like caller ID, email, SMS, you know, calendar alerts. Um, you got to vibrate. Uh, you know, basically, you can set up any of your notifications to come to it, depending on what, what your platform supports. Like iOS and Android are a little bit different. And then that gets sent over to the watch, and and you can dismiss them or read them there. And there's a there's a I think it's one forty four by one sixty eight, uh, like e it's they call it e paper, but really it's like a transflective LCD, and um some buttons and it's just it's just kind of neat to navigate and you get your notifications on there. I, honestly, like I was a little bit initially kind of meh about just like the smartwatch craze. You know, but some I guess somehow when this came out, like I felt the the need to pre-order it, which is <laughs> which is surprising to me because I didn't think that I had I had done that, but I I did apparently like the first day or whatever. Like I had forgotten about it and not really followed it. You know, like and, he, and like, until the money left your account, until yeah, until it finally got here. And um, anyways, I've been enjoying it. You know, like there there have been some reviews of it. I think it's an interesting little extension of the smartphone. There was a little bit of notification overload going on, you know. Like I, at first, I set it to get all my IMs, which was kind of a bad idea. And there's some there are some nuances between how iOS works with it and how Android works with it. You know, on, on iOS, you can just send all the notifications that you know will either badge or pop up a you know a button or appear on the lock screen over to the watch. So you get this, you know, like basically everything just works. I hate to use that phrase, but the way it's built, everything can just be sent over. Um, whereas on Android, it's kind of like you need the application sort of needs a filter for it. Uh, if you want to go their first party route, or you can use another application to to sort of like do this filtering on your own and then send those over. But SMS and things like calls work out of the box. And um, I I play around with battery life, like because obviously you need to charge this thing, and I made it seven days, which is what they advertised. So. That's pretty neat. Um, and it's like a, I forget what it is. It's a little arm SOC. I think it's like, it's an ST thing inside. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I really want to play around with the SDK, you know, because I think so it'd be cool to make watch faces that are custom. But there, there, so, there's, a, there's only two questions I, I have, which rhetorical questions, really. One yeah. was, when was the last time you charged a watch? So never. <laughs> yeah, that's so 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 so. It's a Cortex so, M3, uh, by the way. That that, that 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 that's what would annoy me. Not that I've wed what war watches in the past ten years, because I have my phone for that now. But um, also, doesn't it affect your battery life on your phone having Bluetooth so enabled it, all the it time? It does, but they say like five to ten percent. I would I would agree with that. Uh, you know, because the it's it is there and it's attached. Personally, I haven't noticed a huge difference. Um, of course, on iOS, I'm kind of colored by the fact that Exchange is broken, you know, and uh, like I get a lot of those meeting invites. So I was affected by that problem. 
Um, so I can't uh, really uh, tell uh, you like uh, how much. Do, do you charge your smartphone every day? Yeah, every single day. I think we've been over this. I change it every <laughs> single day. <laughs> you charge all your smartphones every day. Well, no, it's just yeah. you know, so, 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 so somebody. It might be useful for somebody like my father, but he forgets to charge his phone sometimes. Uh huh. So. Yeah. The, the the fact that when that goes down, it just becomes a normal watch. But he's already got one of those. Yeah, it doesn't become a normal watch. It just turns off. So that that's there. No, no, but... no I, I mean the phone runs out of battery, not the oh. watch. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, when when either of those things run out, you just kind of have a brick. So, but it's got a, it's got a like hundred and thirty milliamp battery, and um, I don't know personally. Like, I don't mind plugging it in. I haven't plugged it in every night, like the watch, but you know, I get a lot of notifications, and so far, you know, like that one week number sticks out in my mind. Does it integrate any um, uh, like Fitbit style functionality? Right, because they're that, that's... talking about that. Yeah. They're okay, really, but... they're really talking about that. It's a little bit unfinished at present. Okay, they've already that, that issued would, some software updates. That that would be an obvious fit, right? People who are already wearing like a Nike Fuel band or whatever, um, and and they already have to charge that, you know, every handful of days. So now it's no different, and you kind of get notifications. My question to you is: Is it now an integral part of your life, or is it just cool and you're not going to use it in like three weeks? I think I've, you know, I've been, I've been wearing it for the three weeks. It's, it's, you know, I'll tell you where it's nice is oddly enough while driving, if I get an SMS alert, I don't pull the phone out and look at it. <laughs> yeah. I okay. just look at it. It's, it's my hands already there and I can just look at it and that satisfies the, I need to know what I'm missing kind of urge. Um, as you, as you plow into a tree. <laughs> well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. not. <laughs> um, so now that's interesting. Um, and and this is kind of and a discussion it's, it's for it's discreet. I think there are some other issues too, like the notifications need to be dismissed quicker because, like my friends send me obscene things as well. Like you were saying, you know, like SMS should only just be used for like swearing at people. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, but it's like they're on your wrist, so it's like people are gonna notice. <laughs> you know, now, how does you, it... you, you go to shake somebody's hand and it's putting four letter expletives. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, it doesn't. If someone sends you an MMS, that doesn't appear there. You got the text and the MMS, like the subject, I okay. believe. Um, you don't get a now, pretty picture. So, so this is a this is like a super interesting like future of computing discussion, right? Because you know, yeah, there's it's this, a wearable. Yeah, well, there's this whole idea that you know your smartphone becomes your main computing platform, and then you just wirelessly tether it to everything. Well, then there's also this question of how small can you get your phone, right? Like, does your does your phone eventually go into your watch and your computing ends up being on a tablet that you tether everywhere? Like, what, what ends up being the primary device? Um, so, 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 so you have everything on your phone. You keep a small mini keyboard in your pocket, the size of a credit card. And then when you want something bigger, it attaches to your TV. No, I mean, you keep your phone in your pocket, <laughs> right? Like, and you wirelessly tether to, like, a Bluetooth keyboard and, a, like, a, you know, wide I can tell Ian display. is not sold on this. <laughs> He's not sold right now. <laughs> I, you know, like, I don't know. The, the thing is that I, I was initially, I've just always kind of been interested in watches to some extent. And I, I do believe that there is still a place for them. Um, I, the thing is that the question, the, the big question is what functionality does this add? And for me, it's it's things like again, I can just glance at it without taking it out of my pocket, you know. Is 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 Google Glasses gonna secede this? Perhaps, although I I think it, I think it that's a much larger 
hurdle mental barrier to cross is like having those on all the time you know whereas yeah. this is a watch like it's still kind of stealthy you know like your friends don't people that you're around won't necessarily know that there's anything different about it which is nice it's not super huge like it's bigger is, is it, it, until until your wrist starts vibrating all the time your wrist does vibrate yeah it like <laughs> my wrist does vibrate so when people are blowing up my phone they're also blowing up my wrist this so is great. This is interesting to me because I feel like a great usage model would be like a tap to respond, right? So you you mentioned yeah. the um like the use case where your phone's in your pocket and you're driving and then you can look at your wrist and you see a text. Well, combine that with like Siri or like Google Google Now or whatever where I'm just tapping it and you know responding using my voice and have it dictate and translate and do whatever I need to do. That's what I want. Increasingly I'm finding I want to respond from it. But at present, it's just one way. There, and then there's some other issues too, like the notification doesn't clear on both places. You kind of have to, like, it'll dismiss. They updated it previously; it wouldn't dismiss the notification on the watch ever. Um, now it will dismiss after three minutes. And what I what I told them I want is like fifteen, thirty, one minute, two minutes, three minutes, never, or yeah. something, uh, just to prevent you know, like the it always being there. Like I want to look at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you get the time at the top when the notification is there but it would be nice to also just like have it go away and th- so those sort of problems are kind of not for them to tackle but more for the platform yeah. you know like android and ios kind of have some some teething issues to get over if they're if this is going to become something that other people are going to go with so do you think is a is this a permanent part of what you wear now like, will it be going forward? I, you know, I really like my Citizen watch. I really like the Citizen one. It's okay. hard. It's hard. Like, the issue that I have is kind of like fit and feel. And I finished, I, I got a different band because, like, I agree with um, Neilai from The Verge that the band is like terrible out of the box. You know, like the plastic silicone band that they have. It's kind of obvious to me that they blew their budget on, you know, just the watch face. And then, yeah. you know, if you want a better band, like, go get one. So I did that, and now I have something with a clasp, which is nice. But it's still it's still plastic and rubber, and I, I kind of prefer metal. Interesting. But okay. uh, I don't know. So far, I haven't like felt any urge to go back. Okay. You know? So 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 this is Brian. He carries three at least three phones everywhere with him, and now he's going to wear four watches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're all going to vibrate when he gets a notification. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, I've I've been at like like just somewhere, and I put the phones out, and then it's just like everything blows up, and and it's on my computer too. Like everything around me is vibrating. You, you, you know, you know, it's an important email when you hear it on your phone, your computer, and your watch. We're all within the same second. I told one of my friends this, and then he like probably just sent me like eighty million text messages. <laughs> Excellent. We, See, we, 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 we always used to get it in the research lab. If there was an important email that was sent to everybody, everybody's computer would go off. Oh, right. Like everybody got seconds. it at the same time. Then yeah. you're like, that's bad. Oh, no, no. Whenever, <laughs> whenever I post something, I'm always watching my phone, waiting for like the area code of whatever company, like wherever that company is located. Oh, no. Because <laughs> right? like it's, it's, and normally it doesn't happen, but like every now and then, like I say something that like I wasn't supposed to say, like it was just like, whoops this was like under embargo for like 15 years and i forgot and i just like i just said it and then there's like a lot of cursing and yelling at me um so or, that's... or it's taken slightly out of context and they want to clear everything up well the argument i can deal with right like i don't mind that as much as the like i just blatantly screwed up and published something that i wasn't supposed to say <laughs> like it's that's that's kind of more my fear 
Um, but that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I, I don't... I used to definitely always want to wear a watch, and now I kind of like the freedom of not. Um, so I kind of don't want to like Pebble, but will you have it at MWC? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, no, I want to see it. Um, so a couple last things uh, you want to touch on, Brian. Um, you want to talk about the Nexus 4 LTE stuff? Yeah, so the update that just went out to the Nexus 4 over the air uh, removed LTE, which took a while, but it's it's gone now. You know, the unofficial band for LTE on AWS that was of some um of some utility to Canadians and questionable utility to Americans on AT&T but that's finally gone so you know not that it was ever going to be around for very long but it took a while is it is it it possible to refuse the update oh of course yeah you, you don't have to update in fact you can even just flash the previous radio and get it back kind of thing but uh, yeah, if you care, don't do it. It's gone. I'm surprised it took this long. Like really yeah, surprised. And I am too. And and so Brian, explain why it's such a big deal that it took this long. Um. Well, it's. I mean, it's basically they were operating without a license, without FCC approval, with like just basically illegal. I don't know what they, all the fines or like penalties would be, because I've, I've never really had to deal with that. Like I'm not. I've never gone through the process of getting a device through you know the fcc approval for consumer use but um generally it's serious business when you're dealing with federal agencies so (laughs) and and so that's the big thing like the fcc never tested this like this wasn't even presented as hey this device can do this so it's not in any of the like fcc test reports either right like it's yeah it's like a completely untested uncertified feature exactly and it just happened to be there and doesn't it have other features which are fcc tested Oh yeah, like yeah. Well, all the other radio, like all the you know dual yeah. dual carrier HSPA plus is uh, certified and works. So I so, mean, so those wh- things are legal. Why didn't they do it at the same time? Uh, because they didn't want to pay for it. Like this isn't an LTE oh, phone. Right. Okay. Um, but it's and then there was always this question of, well, was this really a T-Mobile phone? Like they built off of a T-Mobile RFP, and then you know it just sort of became the Nexus phone, and then. You know, maybe later on when when uh, T-Mobile US launches LTE, this will get turned on. You know, like all those questions sort of still linger around. And I mean, on I don't know. I honestly don't don't know. Like I've never spoken with anybody there that's responsible for the device roadmap that Google has. But I mean, your guess is as good as mine, right? Like it seems pretty pretty obvious to see that there was something going on, but it was totally illegal. And now it's gone, finally. <laughs> um, and then there was a little bit of additional LTE news that happened. Um, was it what, this past week? That... Uh, that was the um, the 12th, okay. like three days ago, um, at like 5 in the morning. But they So the Broadcom finally announced their LTE baseband, um, which has been teased. And, you know, like everybody's kind of wondered what's going on there for some time now. Uh, and we saw it at CES. Like, I saw it, and I ch- I got a picture of it, actually, even though I, w- I couldn't get a picture with the package markings on it, which it, there's a funny story there. I was, like, trying to take a picture. Like, you see the picture of the reference unit phone? So he's, like, he's like holding it, and, uh, and I'm there with my camera, and I ask, can I take a picture of this? And he says yes. And then I move in to take the picture, and he, like, kind of moves back a little bit, and then I move in closer, and, like, he moves back. And this kind of repeats, like, three times. 
you know and i don't know if he's just like trying to remove glare or like you know he sees that i'm like trying to focus on it but then then he's like i think you're close enough and i was like oh okay oh okay <laughs> like he doesn't want me to see the package numbers but now we know a number and it's bcm 21892 and that's their lte baseband with the uh, um it has lte advanced it's category four uh it does all the three gpp technologies so hspa plus gsm td scdma doesn't do three gpp2 stuff so no cdma no 1x no evdo um it's release 10 it you know it has an integrated transceiver which is fairly um interesting because the market is kind of marched away from that but i mean they get a smaller package or whatever um and it's 28 nanometer HPM. So that's pretty interesting. And now we're going to, I think it might really become sort of a two or three player space here with, you know, Qualcomm, Broadcom, and maybe NVIDIA if they can, you know, make a compelling case for it and their performance is good. And those are, those, you know, like there are a couple other, there are a bunch of other smaller players, but I think the question is who are the major players? And um, interestingly enough, I think I think there might be traction with this for, a lot of the networks that want to do things on WCS, you know, like the 2.3 gigahertz band, that's sort of their value add is that they coexist really nicely with WCS um, and Wi-Fi, you know, because they have the combo. I think, I think that could be interesting. They sort of sold that in one way. I, I did see some partners when I was there at their meeting that I was like, you own WCS Spectrum and you, you own WCS Spectrum. <laughs> and I won't name names, but I was just like laughing to myself i was like oh that's why everybody's here but now so um does this also this part also supports voice right this isn't like a mm-hmm. pure data part yeah it does voice volte and uh circuit switch fallback and so then this could you know conceivably be a replacement part for you know anyone who was traditionally using like the qualcomm baseband you just don't get the integrated application processor yeah exactly this is an mdm 9x25 competitor basically Gotcha. And it's um, it's going to show up in like 2014, so not super soon. Okay. I think timing-wise it might be a little bit late, but again, it's really a big 9x25 competitor with the the specs that they have in their release schedule. Okay. And the features. So not this so is much something a 9x15. You wouldn't expect to see it in any devices this year. It'll it'll be uh, you know, sometime next year kind of deal. Right. Yeah, and they even said it's it's sampling now and they'll see production early 2014. So it's it's super early, but this is their first, you know, gotcha. and it's kind of an interesting place to enter into the market, you know, with this set of features and going for that date. Yeah, and it's like a dramatically high-end part. Like, it's not a... The, <laughs> the, the usual cadence is what? You start in data, and then you eventually get in, right? Right, which is, which is a little bit surprising um, that this is the way that they'd go. But again, I feel like they really want to get into all these other devices and form factors. Yeah. You know, and yeah. who's to say that, that that it doesn't start that way? Like it's it's might be voice capable, but we might you'll probably see it in data cards first type of deal. Gotcha. You know, I wouldn't and the be main surprised. Motivation, the main motivation for a device vendor here is like right now, Qualcomm, they can charge whatever they want for these things, right? Like because there is no competition period. Um so even having a second supplier to at least put competitive pricing pressure on Qualcomm will probably help a lot of these guys. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and they say that they have a smaller um they have a smaller area that's required to integrate their solution. 
Interesting. I, I think we'll actually get to see the, the package again at MWC, <laughs> and then they might tell us how big it is. I was basically told I could measure it, which would be interesting. Okay. But, so do uh, we have to like bring calipers to MWC yeah, this year? Or? Bring, pack your calipers. <laughs> Make sure they're not sharp, though. Don't, put, don't do it in your carry-on. Otherwise, then you'll get your carry-on. Like, what are these? Oh, I don't know. It's sharp. <laughs> Garbage can. Here goes like $100 pair of calipers. But, he's, uh, he, 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 he's hidden it in the back cover of a tablet again. <laughs> Do you, are you saying you hide it in the back cover of the tablet? <laughs> uh, 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 I just remember an man saying he takes like six or seven tablets on his carry-on. Dude, I take once. Because the yeah, battery life is so bad. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't have to. The, these past couple of trips, I've been like really pleased that I haven't had to carry so much stuff. Like I finished. I finished Surface Pro before my last trip. Um, uh, I, I did jet up to New York for a little bit, and I uh, I took the Asus um, their Clover Trail tablet, uh, the ME four hundred C, the VivaTab Smart. So I did take that with me for testing. Um, but one tablet's okay. It, it's it's when I have to carry like you know six, and they're all in. You know, I have to bring all their chargers, and it's just I don't know. It's just a mess. Um, so there's one thing that we didn't have on the outline for things to talk about today, but I want to know if you guys would be interested in talking about it. Um, there's all that hoopla that happened over the New York Times' testing of the Tesla oh, Model yes. S. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to... Um, one, my whole stake, take on all of this, and I actually I almost wanted... Uh, I, I still kind of do. I want to reach out to Tesla and be like, send us a car because Ooh, you, um, you want one huh no no i i actually i i sat in one and i'm i i have my own take on you know issues or, or not with the design but i i, I kind of want to review it because i i feel like no one did any reasonable scientific testing on this thing right but like, they only had two days did they was that all the time that was given to them well, Could everybody you only like, had two days like even chris ziegler who probably did the best thing to date only had two days but you you also have to tell them what you're doing before they'll send you it. So yeah, but yeah. it's a nod. Like he's gonna be like, just give me a car right now. Like <laughs> I need it. Yeah, g- 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 give me a car and a screwdriver. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, so I'm I'm curious. Like clearly, I mean, there's all this like. Uh... So 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 the the story with the the New York the guy in the New York Times published a review. Tesla posted a rebuttal because it was a fairly negative review, and then he's posted a rebuttal to the rebuttal. Yeah, but you don't yeah. mess with you don't mess with Elon Musk. Like he had telemetry, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, you just don't do that. Like I, this guy got I, I, blindsided. I, 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 I saw a lot of bias, bias, bias in the the second rebuttal. Sort of like uh, range dropped twenty four percent. Well, no, it dropped six miles. If you're at two hundred miles charge, it would only be three percent. Sort of thing. Sort of a misrepresentation of data. Well, the dude wasn't then, and New York Times dude wasn't logging anything. Like he was just sort of making notes. Yes, you know, which is where that, I was like, if I was reviewing the car, I'd just set up my OBD2 logger. Like I'm sure it exposes the battery percentage over OBD2, and then drive around a bit. Like, and then how they even then, um, they even post like a GPS log. Like it takes like again, you just go on your phone and be like, make a GPS log. Like I don't want to look at yeah. this infographic that's like. Here's kind of sort of where we drove, you know, like <laughs> right, just give me the freaking KMZ and then I'll go look at it myself. Like and even even Musk didn't do that. Like, I don't care about the guy's privacy. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't I'm sorry. Like, it's gone. 
don't drive to your house. Like started a started a Carl's Jr. You know, like this isn't that complicated. Yeah, no, no, that's and so that that was my major takeaway from it, which is um, like there's clearly just a lack of the right approach on how to deal with this, right? Like it's I I, I don't know because um, I feel end like up, you're going to end up re- revamping the entire auto industry thing. That's Dude, what's going like, to happen. I feel like none of the articles told me, like all of them told me that yes, you can complete this random journey that they've planned out, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm like, that is completely useless information to me. You know, I want to know, you know, give me bare minimum, give me, and, and there was this like huge stress about, well, you know, if you obey the speed limit, like, I'm sorry, this was like a $100,000 car. You're yeah, not obeying you're not the, speed limit, the speed limit, right? Like, I don't, I, I want to know if I'm driving like I would in another $100,000 car, what's my Uh-oh. range going to be like, right? <laughs> because uh, we, we all know the experience of that. <laughs> I mean, it's, drive it like no, you stole it is that where you're playing exactly the like i'm talking about you know i'm aggressive uh, like i'm aggressively accelerating all the time right like i'm not i i, I don't know this is I, awesome. I think well, you, you, you've got all the talk that you want so of course you're gonna accelerate exactly no one is paying a hundred grand for this thing and is thinking you know i'm gonna kind of like drive it like a prius you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna coast <laughs> and and get maximum uh, 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 range like it's not uh, happening uh, i guess it helps if you're not paying for the tires yeah, but, dude, it's I, like the clutch. I, 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 but again, the range I'm, I'm, isn't the range isn't the full range if you go that fast. Like, it's not, and that's what I want to know, right? I want to know those things. I don't want to know like, is it possible? Like, if you drop, you know, you go on like a no water diet for four days, you drop like fifteen pounds, <laughs> and then like you know you, you you turn off the climate control, and then you can make it to DC. Like, I don't care. That's totally irrelevant information. So you would, to me. you would have the heater like a seventy five. Exactly. Like just, just it's, dude, it's a $100,000 car. No but one's going to be like, oh, you know, it's it's an expensive car, but just don't turn on the heater, right? Please don't do well, that. It's, it's, we it's, can't it's, stop it, at it, that it, Carl's it, Jr. It, it doesn't have the power <laughs> charger yeah. thing. You, 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 you're going to drive it like you're going to drive it. It's 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 So so with, with the electric cars, I don't drive personally, but I always imagine my mentality would be I would always be on like an economy run. I'm always worried about the level of I would always be worried about the level of charge, so I would always drive it like I'd be trying to conserve it. This is that battery anxiety thing, though. Like we, yeah. Well, which is fine, right? But I, I think the this whole like, because everyone's the the whole perspective here is is showing that um you know you can actually make these road trips up and down the coast, right? But who does totally, that in their hundred thousand dollar car? No, it's totally irrational. Like you can't. Like you just, it's not. I mean, you look at what the guy has to do, right? Like he's talking about driving to New York. First of all. You're not taking any road trip to New York. Like, I'm sorry. That's like, it's just, it's not a bad idea. (laughs) Maybe you're visiting family for Thanksgiving. Dude, you take a train, you hop on a plane. Like, you do not drive to the city and then try to drive in the city. Like, it's just a bad idea. With a $100,000 car. Yeah, like, it's it's just any sort of driving on the northeast corridor of I-95 is terrible. Like, this is all just a bad idea to begin with. But but secondly... I think it's it's very clear. Like everyone's conclusions are, you know, hey, this is we're not totally ready yet to be able to have the kind of road trip of full electric vehicle. That's fine. Don't make the story about that. I want to know for everyone else that isn't just driving to New York from D.C. every weekend, right? Like, because clearly the solution is there. Like, get a hybrid or get a car that has a gas engine because this is this is not a good idea, right? But but for everyone else. Tell me the limits of what the car... Yeah, give me the best case scenario, right? The temperature's warm. I'm not doing anything. Give me, like, the maximum range, but give me all the realistic stuff in between. Yeah. Well, so so, so don't forget, the the original purpose of this New York Times review was more to showcase the supercharger technology. Yes. 
rather than the car itself. Which, and, interestingly and this... enough, I still don't know how that works or what voltage is at or any, <laughs> exactly. any like, like, actual detail. It, about... was all, it, was, it was all bypassed because the guy had to call a flatbed. No, but again, those are the important things. Everything that Brian touched on, like, it's, this is really cool technology, right? Like, it's really interesting. And, and I'm super stoked about this idea of, you know, what happens to the whole, like, car economy if it no longer costs you anything to fill up, right? Like, that's, that's just beyond intriguing to me. But that's not the focus of any of this, right? It's like, what kind of completely stupid stuff can I do to just get to this, like, arbitrary point that I've picked that's on the very edge? Like, it's just unnecessary risk-taking here, right? Like, that's not the point of... That's not uh, what I want to know. I really agree with but you because, like, my range is only 250 miles. So everybody that's, like, gnashing their teeth over this isn't as far as gas... You know, I'm just laughing because that's yeah. that's my range. Like when I when I go on a road trip, I'm just filling up like constantly. And and if that's your and, like, and you, you you stop for a cup, you stop for a cup of coffee or whatever or a, a bagel. And, and if know, I so if I let my passengers out, I'm just like we we gotta go. Like <laughs> we gotta get the hell out of here. Guess. We're gonna get shot. <laughs> and and that's like that's the point, right? If you're if your usage model, and I, I can understand like the Tesla PR side of this, right? They want to convince people that. Um, you know, hey, if if you want to drive from DC to New York, you know, you could technically kind of feasibly do it, right? We're going to install these superchargers, whatever. I and I I get their the PR side of all of that, right? Why they wanted to do it, but clearly you're stretching the limits, right? Like clearly this is not, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> this is not the time to be having this discussion. So I don't know. I was I was really frustrated about all the content I saw because I felt like, and I, I felt like even for the first reviews of the Model S. Like no one adequately described the experience, right? Like I'm, I'm. Let, let's oh, ignore right. all the performance stuff, right? Everyone always said uh, you, you, you fell on one of two sides of, of the story, right? There are a lot of people that said, "Hey, this is the best car in the world. Um, the acceleration is unique. It's dynamic. Like it's, it's, it's something I haven't felt before." And then that's it. Like that's where the experience ends, right? Like I don't, I, I, you know, no one is adequately telling me road feel. Like no one's adequately like summing up all the other stuff that matters here. Um, huh. So I don't know. I, I just I was really really displeased with everything. Isn't it and... supposed to be like a like a no caveats car though? Like a no caveats kind of luxury slash performance sedan? Isn't that the the purpose? It's supposed to be like so. I sat in one. I was waiting for a median to happen um, at Santana Row in San Jose Santa Clara area, um, and they have one of those Tesla stores there. So I sat in it, and I was like, "Hey, this is really cool, but you know what? That giant touchscreen is slow as crap." Like, it is really slow. I tried to run Sunspider on it, and it was just taking a long time. And I was like, <laughs> is this it is Tegra? absurd. Um, yeah, it's Tegra. Tegra but it's 2? Like, so I think it, someone said it was Tegra 3. Again, I don't know because I, I, I didn't, like, I, I haven't seen the definitive deep dive on this car yet, right? Um, but, like, the UI was slow to respond, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, if, if the average upgrade cycle for a car is somewhere in the 5 to 10 year range, um, I don't want to be using Tegra 3 in 10 years. Like, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want, I want like, and, and I saw some people reported that, hey, you know, this is, this is cool because they have this like software upgrade path here. But no, I mean, 10 years down the road, I want like, I want a hardware upgrade path, man. Like it's... <laughs> you, you, just, you, you, you just want like a A4 sheet of paper thing that you can just slot in and everything is upgraded. Yeah, I want, if you want to go down like that a docking route, station. Yeah, I want like a modular route. I mean, can, yeah. can you imagine how slow four Cortex-A9s are going to be 10 years from now? Like that's going to be terrible. Um, even five years from now, that's going to be terrible. So, so no one really talked about that. Um, 
And and then there's the whole like the fit and fish of the inside. Like it's okay for like what I would consider to be like a forty or fifty thousand dollar luxury car. But for a hundred thousand dollar car, which is what, you know, if you want the extended range, if you want like, you know, some of the bells and whistles, what this ends up turning into, it's a disappointment from like that perspective. And so so I don't believe it's a it's a no compromises car. Um, and, and I don't, I've never driven one. I don't know what the, like the actual driving appeal of it is. This is actually one of my longer complaints about automotive reviews in general is, uh, and, and it's very similar to Brian, your complaints about how smartphone reviews are done. They're done over a very, very short period of time. And the experience is all very seat of the pants. Like there's no long-term focus on what it is like to live with this thing. And I don't think I've gotten a good feel of that from any of this. Um, I don't want a Model yeah. S, but I feel like if I were in the market for a Model S, I no one's actually told me the story, right? Like it's it's they've helped Tesla market it to me. Um, they've helped tell me that yes, electric motors are awesome, which they are. But that's it, and I don't know. It's frustrating. You should get one. Dude. You should get one and review it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but they only give everybody two days. You're gonna have to talk them into like giving it. To- Loaning it to you for a week or something, somehow. Dude, it's absurd. Yeah. Like you can't. It's the equivalent of making a decision on buying, like a car based on a test drive, right? And that's not enough. Like you can't evaluate a car based on that. Um, I mean, huh. it's the same complaint it, like we have about doing a smartphone review in two days. It's un, it's completely unrealistic. Well, it's like you can't buy a. Well, I guess you can because people do, but it's not ideal to buy a phone based on the like. 20 minutes you spend touching one at the operator store or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big part of why there's, um, there just ends up being a lot of buyer's remorse with things like automobiles, right? Like there's not, I don't know. It's anyways, if, if I had infinite time, yes, I, I, I came very close several times while this whole like drama was going on to like emailing Tesla PR and being like, look, this is what I would like to do. Um, and it's, it's hard, right? Cause you do have to control for things like temperature. Um, you do have to pick, um like i don't have a track right in my like backyard i can't just you, you don't know. <laughs> no i like i can't control that we have a track not too far from here i go to vir and like i don't know spend a week there but but it's 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 a hard problem to solve but it's not an unsolvable problem um and i don't know that's that's and my, there aren't any rant. superchargers near you so you can't you can't pitch that one mm. no it's there aren't like i can't um i can't well, was the, the supercharger is meant to Bring up the range in just over an hour, isn't it? From nothing. It's like yeah, it's just a super fast charger. Yeah, you get but, but, X but, percent but, in thirty minutes. Yeah, but a uh, but a, a and like in free. the UK a, a standard two forty volt. It takes about three and a half four hours. This is supposed to be dramatically faster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there yeah, are a lot of ways um, that you uh, can accelerate, like battery charging. Like, like Brian said, I have no, we have no idea of how it works, and but and... But, but 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 you can't just call up the battery fairy. Yes, yes. The, the battery fairy is not. <laughs> that's not in the in the cards. I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember watching the Top Gear review, and you know, which is controversial as well. Well, yeah. So they didn't represent it fully. But the whole point of Top Gear isn't to be technical. It's to deliver the the experience. If 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 you're a middle aged fifty something with a bad hip. <laughs> no but so and and i'm totally fine with that like I, I don't believe the world has to be pbs right and, and that's not what i'm asking for but I, I i'm an advocate for balance right and i don't feel like there is a good source like no one has told me the things i want to know about the car right the only way like i have to find someone who owns one um and, yeah. and that's the only way that's happening and i i feel like uh i don't know that that was my big complaint about it like clearly like this dude did a review and it was just bad like it's just 
it just wasn't well done. I don't, I don't know if it was, you know, that there's this debate about was he like actively trying to deceive the reader or, or yeah. trying to put down Tessa or whatever. I don't. It was just poorly done. Like that's that's and that's my takeaway. It's, it's, about it, it. It, it, it was weird how they they came out and said um, we assumed that this this review was in good faith, but looking back on his. Uh, other content which we should have done before we gave him the car he was clearly biased against it no but it's not it's not just that right like it's um because there was at one point in the story where the guy was like oh hey they told me that i have to accelerate and decelerate a lot and that'll help me recharge like i'm sorry you have to go and put like whatever two or three hours a day of research prior to this happening into how batteries work right and how recharging works and and it, whether they're doing any harvesting under braking right like so just forth. do a yeah. little he should have like, already research. been a hybrid driver probably yeah like it's i i don't know it's there's just a whole bunch of stuff that bothered me with all of this that's but they got right so now. many views out of it that's the thing like we're all the <laughs> fools here or like it's true. you know um it's, it's 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 the whole thing if you want to make a youtube video very popular you put in you know angelina jolie topless as the title no matter what it is that's is that that's how you do all your YouTube videos? <laughs> no matter what it is, this this I guarantee you it has it has that. Yeah. And on that note, that brings us to an end <laughs> of the 16th podcast. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, sorry for the rant at the end there. Um, like I said, Brian and I are headed off to MWC in about another week or so. Um, so realistically, I don't I don't know that we'll be able to get this done before then. Brian, when do you leave? You leave a week from today. Well, and I have another trip too um, <clears throat> next week. But yeah oh that's i wonder true. if we can bring the uh yeah it's it's always impossible it, to like it's difficult to do these at the thing at the show or whatever yeah because like especially when it's it's yeah the other trip that you have there's like a lot of stuff throughout the day and throughout the evening um but anyways we have a lot of really cool stuff happening over the next two weeks here a lot of big announcements happening um so check out the site thank you all for reading um and we will be back realistically probably after after mwc